Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. And at the end of today's service, we are going to be taking communion together. And so I want to invite you to go ahead, grab a slice of bread and some juice. Get that ready for the end of the service. We're going to kind of recap what we've been going over and then move on into the day. But we're going to finish with a very special time of communion together. And so go ahead and get that ready. We've been looking at a new normal, looking at how normal seems to be new every minute of every day in this crazy, chaotic year that we call 2020. And we're wondering if uh, Scripture has been calling us to a new normal for a long time. And this new normal that, that Scripture is calling us to is countercultural, but it is constant. It is something that can remain the same through any crisis. On our first week together, we looked at Sabbath, that there is to be a work uh, and rest pattern, a pattern of working six days and resting for 24 hours to recognize and realize that God is in control and that we can stop for one 24-hour period and, and the and world will go on. It also reminds us that we are human beings, not human doings. And there we need to be wrestling with the question, what is my work-rest balance? Has that gotten out of balance? If it has, Scripture is calling you back to a new normal. Last week, we looked at our thought life. We're bombarded by thoughts of fear and anxiety all through our day. And we are called, we looked at Psalm 13 to say, what if it's inviting us to metacognate, to realize that we have thoughts, we are not our thoughts, and we can step back and we can reframe that and repeat those reframes to us as God moves us from the anxiety and fear thoughts into thoughts and recognition that He is with us. We learn to live in the space between in the, in that moment. Now, if you haven't noticed, these patterns are very, they go against the flow of our culture right now. Our world celebrates overworking, work more and work hard and be a part of that. Our world rushes us to quick decisions instead of sitting in that space between and taking a step back from our thoughts and allowing God the space to enter in. The new normal that Scripture calls us to uh, this week is, is often against the grain, and this week will be no different. In fact, it may be the most radical one that we have dealt with yet. The question to us before we even begin today is this, though. You may want to write this down. I, I want us really to wrestle with this today. Am I willing to do whatever it takes to say yes to the invitation God makes to let His definition of normal be my definition? Am I willing to do whatever it takes to say yes to the invitation of God, the the invitation that God makes to let His definition of normal be my definition of normal? Or... 
Will I only live in God's definition of normal to the extent that it fits into my definition of normal? Which will it be? I hope it will be the former. I hope you have your your Bibles open to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 5 and 6. There's a very familiar passage of Scripture. So let's read this together. Believe in the Lord with all your mind. Wait, wait, that's wrong. Uh, Strike that. It it says, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Oh, no. uh, hmm, What's wrong with this? No, that's wrong, too. Um, What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let's move on. Occasionally lean on your own insights because you are so smart. Man, what version of the Bible is this? That's that's wrong again. That doesn't sound right at all. So it's let's go back. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Let's keep going. In the majority of your ways. No, no, that's that's wrong. In all your ways. It's all your ways again. In all your ways, acknowledge God and God will make your paths straight. Now, I was I was making uh, some jokes there at, at to how we kind of interpret this sometimes. So so let's go back. I, w- I want to repeat this to make sure we're actually repeating the actual verses. So Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is thanks be to God. Let's let's move through this as we can. I want to dive a little bit deeper into these two verses. And uh, good news, we'll have uh, some Hebrew words today. So I know you're you're dying for those looking forward to them. The. The first thing that that comes to mind is you heard me say, believe on the Lord with all your mind. And really the word there is trust. And we kind of use belief and trust as synonyms when it comes to English. But belief in our world is typically something we think about that we do in our minds. Even though we consider it a verb, you can be sitting there right in your couch right now and believe things without doing anything, without doing anything at all. It can look like you are not in action, but you are doing something. Trust, however, is something that is entirely different. It is an action. Trust is belief that is put into action. I like to think of it this way. I can believe in my mind that the Mackinac Bridge will support the weight of me and my car and all the other vehicles as I drive across it from the uh, under the bridge south, the, the, the lower peninsula, to the upper peninsula. That's belief. I still live in that belief. I believe that right now. I have never been over that bridge. I should probably do that. I've almost lived here 12 years. But I believe that that bridge would do that. It will move into trust when I drive my car across it. Because I am placing all the weight of my car and the weight of all the vehicles that are going across and the wind that's going through all of those things and the waves that might be crashing upon it. I believe that it will support me and hold me. I am trusting when I drive across it. Does that make sense? 
And so what we are called to here, the word that is used in Hebrew for trust is the word batach. I know you want to say that with me now. In this time of social distancing, this is a very guttural word. And that means you're liable to spit on somebody that's near you. So be careful. Or if you're wearing a mask and watching this, well, it's not going to be pretty in there. Uh, it is the word batach. Let's say that together really quick. One, two, three. Batach. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Batach. The word for belief is a different word entirely. It is the word emunah. Emunah. We're not going to say that word, but that's the word for belief. The word for trust and the word that is used in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 is the word batach. To trust. This proverb instructs us not in belief in the Lord, but to trust the Lord, to place all of our weight on the Lord, to in those things to to do with our life, to move into trust, just like driving across the bridge is trusting that bridge to batach God is to place all of our trust in him, to place all of our weight, to look to him, to know, to follow him. It is in action. And we are told to batach with all of our heart. And that Hebrew word is the word lave. It's very simple to say. You want to say that with me, don't you? One, two, three, lave. And the lave, the heart, for us, I know it is the core of our feelings. You know, I just love her with all my heart. We, we, we say these kinds of words. But for the Hebrew, it is the core of who we are. It is the seed of the emotions, but it's also the seed of the will and the seed of desire. All of that is wrapped up in the word lave or heart. And so we are called to trust, to place into action with God all of our emotions, all of our will, all of our desire. The core of who we are is to be placed in trust with God. And to leave no room for doubt, the writer of the proverb also prohibits the opposite of trusting in the Lord with all our hearts. He says, do not lean. And that Hebrew word is the Hebrew word sha'an. You want to say that with me? Sha'an. Not Sean. That's an Irish name. Sha'an. Ready? One, two, three. Sha'an. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Sha'an. Proverb writer encourages us, place all of your weight, all of your trust, of all of your heart, the core of who you are in God, and the opposite, do not sha'an, do not lean on your own understanding. Now, I love to give this example of sha'an. Uh, if we were here live together and there were people in the room, I would probably have them demonstrate this. I'll probably have them demonstrate this uh, in the outdoor service. But... Uh, what I would do with a premarital couple, because, you know, they just look lovingly in each other's arms and they say things like, you complete me. And, uh, you know, they just come in and they my, my uh, in my office, when they come in for counseling, the chairs are separate. They usually move the table out of the way and pull the chairs together so they can hold hands or arms or put their arms around each other. And it's just a beautiful, warm and sappy thing. So what I will have them do is talk about how in marriage it is good to be connected. And, and it is good to, to maintain that connection. It's, it's one of the most vital things you could do in your marriage. But it's also important that you put all your weight on your own two feet 
and you choose to be connected. So what I'll have them do is I'll have them stand up, face one another, put all of their weight on their own two feet, put their feet shoulder width apart, and I'll have them put their hands connected as a demonstration. And then I will have them move all the way around the room, keeping their palms connected. And I asked them, is this difficult? And they said, no, this is really simple. It's kind of silly. We don't know why you're doing it, but uh, you're the therapist, so go ahead. And so I'll have them do that. Then I'll have them come back to the middle of the room and I'll have them shut on. I will have them take a step back so that they are leaning on one another. And I tell them, you have to keep your hands connected. And so they'll put them out and they'll, they'll be leaning. And now it's a little precarious. It's kind of off balance. And I say, can you move around at all? And they say, no, I'm afraid if I misstep, I'll not just fall myself, but they'll fall as well. And it begins to, to just be precarious when you shut on. And the proverb writer tells us that when we shut on on our own understanding, that leaning puts you off balance. Batach, the trust, centers you on God's foundation, where you're putting all of the core of who you are right in the middle of what God is calling you to do. So, batach in the Lord with all of your lave, with the core of who you are, and sha'an, not, do not lean on your own understanding. And then lastly is the, the verse, in all your ways acknowledge Him. Now, this is one of the most, un- the most misunderstood parts of this whole verse structure. We tend to understand this verse when we say, in all your ways, acknowledge him. We tend to understand it this way. In all that I do in my day, give a thank you to God. Thanks, God. Food was good. Thanks, God. Sunny day. Thanks, God. Uh, had a great time with my family. Thanks, God. And we think this is, in all our ways, acknowledge Him. We tend to think of it as, in all the decisions that I make, in all the words I say, for all the food I eat, for the nice things that I have, make sure to nod and just say, thanks, God. And it's not, don't get me wrong, it's not a bad thing to do. But that's not what this passage is saying. It's not what the proverb writer is calling us to. When he says, in all your ways, there it is again, not part of your ways, all of your ways. Again, he is saying there is something about that word ways. Here's our our next Hebrew word. It is the word derech. Are you ready? Let's say that again. Not derech. That's another name. But derech. All right, let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Derech. I know you want to say it one more time because it's just fun to say. One, two, three. Derech. The word derech means paths or journeys or roads. It's not just about your behaviors in and out of your day, but on the journey that you're on, on the road that you are, wherever you find yourself today, there is something that you are called to do. In all of your journeys, what do we do? The word translated there that we translate acknowledge is actually the word yada. Not Yoda. I know that's what James and Andy heard. Yada. You want to say that with me? Ready? One, two, three. Yada. And yada means to deeply know someone. So from all your journeys... Deeply know God. 
Wherever you find yourself today, on whatever path you are on, deeply know God, yada. To deeply know someone like your best friend. To know their likes, their dislikes, their preferences. To know them from the inside out. It is a very intimate and personal word. It is often used to describe in the Hebrew Scriptures the relationship between a man and a woman. To know them. To know them at the core. To know all about them. And the proverb writer tells us that when we batach with all our lave, when we trust God with all of our heart, and we don't sha'an on our own understanding, and in all our ways, in all our pathways, in all of our journeys, whatever road we are on right now, We are called to know, deeply know, intimately know the God who is with us on the journey. Wow. Friends, on the road that 2020 has taken us down, and I do mean down, have we ever stopped on all our roads, on your pathway, to deeply Know, personally know, God? Or have we just raced through all of this? Have we raced off to our social media accounts to declare our own understandings of politics, of science, of the way it should be, of rushing to get back to the good old days? Have we gotten to know, have we paused to get to know in our journeys, to deeply know, to yada, on this path we are on? We come to deeply know God. Or are we looking at other people's understanding of things? Either to comfort ourselves or to criticize them or to tear them down. Maybe this is why our roads seem so crooked right now and not straight. And our wanderings seem so aimless. What do we do? How do we get to know and deeply know and to hear God's new normal? With so much noise going on around us. So much busyness. So much sha'an on our own understandings. How do we get back to batach? God with all of who we are. The core of who we are. How do we do this? Now, what you think I'm going to tell you, because we've been looking at very practical ways to do this. What you think I'm going to do is to tell you to pray and read your Bible. And those are great things. I would encourage every one of you, if you are watching this, it's a good thing to pray and read your Bible. That is an incredible way to get to know God and to learn to batach God, to trust Him, to place everything, the core of who you are, in His care. And these these are ways that people have gotten to know God deeply for centuries So I am not throwing those out. I'm not throwing out prayer. I'm not throwing out the Bible or reading the Bible. I hope you heard me say that. Because I'm wanting to invite us to something that Jews and Christians have used since before there was a Bible to get to know, to get to yada, deeply know God. And as Christians, even more, to know His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it is so countercultural that most, most of us have pretty much tossed this out of our lives. 
We think it's, it's just for special somebodies out there, but it's not for us. And today, I want to call us to understand the deep knowing of God that comes with silence and with solitude. Silence and solitude. Many of you think I'm crazy because I go away for seven days to different places to just be quiet with God. Yes, I do some reading and some other things, but the primary reason is to be with God. This is part of how I understand trusting Him with all of who I am. It's it's a part of Scripture. It runs all the way through the Bible. I mean, Abraham had a long wilderness journey to the land that God was calling him. Moses spent 40 years in the desert before he saw the burning bush. Elijah traveled in the wilderness for 40 days to the mountain of God until he heard the sheer silence of God's presence and then went out on the mountain to hear what God had planned for the future of Israel and Judah. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days before He launched His ministry. And Jesus frequently returned to solitude and silence all through His ministry. I mean, Mark chapter 1, verse 35 tells us, In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and there He prayed. Now, how many of you believe that we are called to follow Jesus' example? You can say amen in the comment section if you want, or a little raise your hand uh, emoji. We're called to follow Jesus' example. Maybe that's why He also commanded us in Matthew 6, verse 6, to go into our closets and shut the door to pray. He knew we needed a new normal of regular quiet with God if we were ever going to learn to batach with all our hearts. And not shut on on our own understandings. We are called to this. If Jesus needed silence and solitude during His earthly life, how much more do you and I, do we need that silence? And what didn't end with Jesus, Paul spent three years in the Arabian wilderness before he began his missionary journeys. From ancient times, when Christians needed to deeply know God, they returned to the wilderness, to silence and to solitude. Like Sabbath, solitude and silence are good for us. And it's not just in the Bible. I mean, Christian writers for centuries have said this. I mean, Oswald Chambers tells us that solitude with God repairs the damage done by the fret and noise and clamor of the world. Chuck Swindoll, he's still alive, I think. It is in solitude that God delivers His best thoughts and the mind needs to be still and quiet. To receive them. Now the Bible itself is full of references to the need for silence with God. Psalm 46 verse 10 is probably the most popular one of them all. There it says, Be still and know that I am God. There's that yada word again. Know, deeply know, intimately know that I am God. 
And you do that by being still. Habakkuk 2.20 says, The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. It doesn't call for a great worship night with drums and loud guitars, but it's in silence that we acknowledge He is God. Isaiah 30, verse 15 says, In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. Wow. In silence and trust, batach, shall be your strength. John of the Cross says, It is best to learn in silence. I'm sorry, I'm going to repeat that. It is best to learn to silence the faculties and to cause them to be still so that God may speak. This is one of the most overlooked ways of getting to yada, to know, deeply know God, and to learn to hear God's voice. But just because it's overlooked doesn't mean it's not important. And there's not an age limit on this. Students, have you ever tried to spend some time just being quiet to hear God's voice? Children, you know you can be called to spend some time quietly with God, with Jesus. Senior adults, You can be called into God's presence. And if you're retired, you may have lots of time to do that. It might be good to rest intentionally silent and quiet. To again, deepen your trust, your batach in God. And of course, parents and all of us from young to old, we are called to silently trust, to build a rhythm of silence. We can't live there all the time. There are only certain people who are given that grace. But we are called, if we are really going to learn to trust, if we are going to really learn not to sha'an on our own understanding, to be off balance, if we're really going to learn this, we have to develop a good rhythm of silence and then being in the noise. Now, don't get too scared. You're not being called to begin with 40 years of silence. You're not being called for 40 weeks or even 40 days, 40 hours. I'm not even going to call you to 40 minutes of silence before God. But you are being called. And there's part of me that just wonders if if in the midst, something good that could come out of all the chaos of being trapped in our homes and, and maybe we're heading back there very soon, that there will be more opportunity to pause for silence before God with the intention of learning to batach, to, to trust Him with all our heart, the core of who we are. So let's maybe start with four minutes. You're going to receive something in the comment section or you can go online or it'll be on your inbox on just something that will walk you through what I'm about to do with you so that you can begin this process. And I would encourage you to spend uh, four minutes a few times this week where you're going to be intentionally silent with God. 
I try to spend, as your pastor, I try to spend anywhere from 5 to 20 minutes per day. But I've, I've been at this now for quite a few years. And so 20 minutes feels like a good rhythm. So I want to walk you through this difficult and yet simple process as we as I call you to learn to trust in the Lord with all of your heart by being silent before Him. The truth is, one of the hardest things about silence with God is preparing for silence with God. Because this means that you need to find an actual quiet place. Parents, do you have one? (laughs) You may need to find a place of quiet in order to have this happen. Next, you're, you're called to turn off all electronic distractions. That alone could take you five to ten minutes to power down the phone and power down the iPad and power down the phone. Maybe unplug the phone if you still have a home phone. Turn all of those things off. Anything that dings or could ding to turn it off. And then, focusing my mind on wanting to deeply know Jesus. That takes just a second before I, before I start. I like to just sit quietly for just a moment. And then I actually begin. So it takes a little bit to get into that section of actually being quiet before God. Now here are the steps when you are there. I would encourage you to sit in a comfortable, quiet place. You don't have to sit in a weird position. You can sit in a recliner if if you can do that. But sit up. Your goal is to stay awake and be present with Jesus, waiting for God to speak if God chooses to speak. I would encourage you, set a timer. If you're worried that you might go too long or not go long enough, it's okay. Set a timer. Just make sure that it's only going to ding at the end of your four minutes. And turn off all other notifications so you're not going to get text messages or things like that. And then, as you sit there comfortably, quietly, invite God to speak to you. Some great Ways or phrases to do that are simply to say, here I am, Father. Here I am, Jesus. It's a, it's a powerful word. In, in Hebrew, it's the word hineni. Here I am. Maybe you want to you quote what Samuel said when he finally realized God was calling him. Speak, for your servant is listening. That's a great way to enter into silence. To say to God, speak, for I'm here, I'm, I'm listening. Maybe it's simply to, to, tell, to say the word that Jesus said to call Father, and that's just Abba. That's the Hebrew word, the very intimate, like Daddy or Dad, or, or if you're Irish, Da. Maybe it is to speak the name of our Savior, Jesus. Maybe it is, come Holy Spirit. Whatever word you choose, it is, that's your intention. I'm here to say, I'm here, and then to be silent. So once you have said that, then close your eyes or lower your vision to the ground so that you avoid distraction of things that might be going on around you. And then just breathe. Don't have to do anything fancy. Just breathe in and breathe out. And wait before God. And then you can stop when your alarm goes off. Or stop after four minutes or five minutes. And you may find you you build up time. Just like when you're running, you can't start off running a, a marathon. But after running for a long time, you begin to lengthen the time you're able to do that. 
If your mind wanders off while you're trying to be quiet, be kind to yourself. It's okay. You're a human being. Return to waiting for Jesus. Just say His name. Something that brings you back. This may happen often during your four minutes. It's okay. Your four minutes might seem like an eternity. Trust me, it will get shorter. And you might just begin to see that God says something to your heart in the midst of that. To establish a rhythm of this each day can be a powerful way to know God. And if you want to combine this practice with reading Scripture and spoken prayer, the prayers you speak at God, it can be even more powerful to spend four minutes silent, waiting for God to speak, and then to open His Scriptures and to begin to read. I can't tell you how when I do that, the Word of God seems to speak to my heart. So I invite you, however you choose to do this, I think it is important for you and for us to gain back a new normal of regular silence with God so that we can learn to batach God with all our heart, the core of who we are, and we can learn not to sha'an, not to lean off balance on our own understanding. And in all our ways, wherever our journey takes us, we can pause and get to know, deeply know, the God who is with us on the journey. So I want to invite you to try this out for the next week. Just four minutes, silent with God. And when you are silent with God, you are never alone. Think about that. When you are silent with God, you are never, ever alone. And I hope and trust that as you do that, you will find the truth of our last verse. That God will make your journey, your path straight. That as you walk along, you will see that He is with you. I think this would be a beautiful time for us to move into communion. With those verses, those ideas, those thoughts, those those things, those challenges that we're going to do this week. That we need to know that Jesus is with us on the journey and gives us the food, just like this bread will sustain us on a journey of walking. We're called to remember that Jesus is with us and will sustain us as we get to know Him in the silence. So I'm going to invite you to take out your, your bread and your juice, however you have that. I'm going to ask you to hold it in your hands. Go ahead, if you need to to uh, share with those that are there with you, go ahead and do that. And then I want you to remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He broke it. And He took the cup and He poured wine into it and He gave it to all of His disciples even the one who was about to betray him. And he invited him, invited them on this journey that will sometimes include silence and solitude, but when we are with God, we are never alone. I'm going to invite you to hold your bread 
and your cup in your hands. You can put them down on your lap. But we're going to practice just a small amount of silence. We believe in the Church of the Nazarene that somehow this bread and this little bit of juice, somehow the Holy Spirit will use this to nourish our spiritual journey. We don't know how that happens. It's just kind of a mystery. But we believe that somehow when we receive this bread, it is like receiving the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, and it will sustain us on our spiritual journey. So I want you, as you hold these on your laps, to look down and to think about the sacrifice of Jesus. To think that just like you're holding this bread and this cup, Jesus is that close with you. I want you to take just a moment to pause in silence. We're going to practice what we do, what we're called to. So would you do that? Put your bread and cup down on your lap, holding them. Put your eyes on the bread and the cup. Think of what you want to say to God. Here I am. Speak your servant is listening. Speak the name of Jesus. Speak Holy Spirit come. And then let's be silent for just a moment. This is my body, broken for you, for your journey. Take and eat. This is my blood, shed for you, Jesus says. To sustain you on your journey and to help you in your times of silence and solitude to know you are never alone. Take and drink. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are with us and because you are with us, we are never alone. Please come teach us the way that you demonstrated here when you were with us physically. Teach us the ways of silence and solitude. When the world is calling with so much noise, 
Help us to learn to hear your silent, whispering voice. Help us to be people that are quiet first and speak less often. Help us to see that as a sacrifice in the midst of our noisy world. That we listen to you. To hear your voice. To be willing to go into the silent places and on occasions to even go and be alone. That we might hear you. Father, help us. We are lost in the noise. Come save us, we pray, by leading us into the wilderness that we might learn to batach with all our heart, the core of who we are. Help us wherever we are on our journey right now, whether we're anxious about work or worried about sickness or are sick ourselves. Help us to pause and spend just a little bit of silence, a little bit of time in silence with you, knowing that you will sustain us in the midst of whatever we are going to know that you are with us on every road. Help us to be people who know you deeply, know you intimately, know your will and your ways. And we're willing to be opposite of our world and be quiet to hear your voice. For we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand and receive a blessing as we go this week? I pray that God would bless you in your times of silence. I pray that you would feel a refreshing and an anointing as you simply say his name and are quiet for a few moments of your day. I pray that you would hear his voice leading you, helping you through scripture to to couch the way you pray your prayers. And I pray above all that you would know that the God who gave everything for you longs for you to yada, to know, deeply know, intimately know all of who he is. I pray that you will experience this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Go in his name. Wash your hands. Be safe out there. Thank you for joining us today. And we'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. 